0: So, last week we continued with Romans, even though many of you were gone. Uh, so, we covered the first half of Romans 7. Paul dealt with how we've died to the law. So, Romans 7 recap so far we've died to the law. He reassured the Jewish believers they don't have to follow the law anymore because they've died with Christ. They've been they died with Christ, they're with Him, they're with Him. He talked about how sin corrupted the good of law. The law said, don't cut it, don't want what other people have. And Paul said, why not, right? Is there stuff better than mine? Why try I not cut it? What do you mean? Um, and so we started coveting. Anytime someone says not to do something, we always want to do it, right? Last week I told people, don't look at my socks. It's a new rule. Don't look at my socks at all. And There was an intense desire in everyone <laughs> to look at the socks. Right? I had them on the screen and everything, put it down in the corner on the next slide, right? don't look at the socks. And most people that were here, someone doing the lesson, glanced at my socks. Even though I said, very important, don't look at my socks at all. Most people were like, why, right? What's wrong with the socks? Right? Um, and they were great socks. Uh, and so the truth is, our flesh wants to rebel. We have a desire to sin, and then the law says, don't sin. And suddenly we're conflicting against that command even more. So chapter 6, Paul had condemned living in sin. He says, don't live in sin, don't make your members of body as an to unrighteousness. You start living for Christ. Chapter 7, he says, but legalism that ain't it, right? That's not how you're going to be able to do that. We aren't under the law. We don't serve by the law anymore. So don't put yourself under this legalism structure of, of doing the law. Instead, we serve by the law of Christ, which is love God and love others. Right? If you're doing those things then you're not going to be um, doing the bad things. The law says don't covet, don't steal, don't murder. Right? It's not only really loving to murder someone else. So he says, if we try to put ourselves in a our legalistic system, we're going to find ourselves sinning even more. When you try to focus and try to follow a list of sins you shouldn't do, then where are your eyes focused? Sins. Sins, right? You're like, don't do this, don't do this. and the whole time your eyes are focused on don't do this. You've taken your eyes off of Christ and said you're focused on this list of sins not to do. So Paul says the law is good though. It's not like you say if someone says do not covet, you're like, that's evil, right? I'm like no, you should covet. You shouldn't murder. But sin took that good command and corrupted it. Caused Paul to sin. So he tried to do good. He's like, I'm going to follow this command because that will be good. And then he ended up, sin came in, deceived it, and killed it. It made him sin and brought into his life death. Brought death into his life. Death of his fellowship with God. So today we're going to see Paul discuss this struggle he has with him, these conflicting desires that he has in himself. It is a desire to do good, but he doesn't do good. What's going on? How can he escape this terrible sin nature? We're going to see that deliverance comes through Jesus Christ. So, let's read Romans chapter 7, 14 through 25. It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do. I'm doing the very thing that I hate. But do the things I do not want to do. I agree with the law, confessing the law is good. So now, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But from doing the very thing I do not want, I'm not the one doing it. I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God and the inner man. I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself, my I am serving the law of God, on the other hand, if I flesh, the law of sin. Let's pray. Lord, we... Can relate so much to Paul in this, in this chapter in this section. I pray that this morning, as we look at what Paul is saying, what you've said through him, that we would take your word, um, we would apply it in our lives, and we would be encouraged to better glorify you to follow the, the law of the inner man. Right, so, pray all this in your son's name. Okay, um, in what situation do y'all normally hear someone say, trust your instincts?
1: Of danger, wondering
0: if it's like someone who's being kind of off, and you see a character, yeah. and you're like, oh, I don't know, stranger sure about danger. That. Yeah, yeah. danger, yeah, yeah, especially that stranger looks kind of sketch. Mm-hmm. Well, in the sports, yeah. yeah, sports in general, curling would mm-hmm. be fine, trust your instincts. No one's ever been like defusing a bomb doesn't know which one to cut. What like, trust your instincts. I wouldn't trust my instincts for that. Yeah. I've never had them say that to me, but i <laughs> wondering if any of y'all in a situation. So. Yeah, right. Even in a situation, though, where you trusted your instincts and you suddenly realized that was the wrong decision. Have mm-hmm. right? you ever been there before? A few of us, right? Maybe defusing a bomb. Um <laughs> the moments right? Sometimes our instincts want us to say something mean, maybe, right? Instincts are like do this, right? right. Maybe grab something we shouldn't, Thanksgiving deserve, right. <laughs> Um but we still do it. Our right. instincts want to do something, so we shouldn't trust and maybe an like, oh that maybe wasn't the wisest thing to do or say. But our instincts go against what we know is right sometimes. And our instincts when we need reactions is still something against it. So we're gonna look this morning at the struggle even Paul, the Apostle Paul had with this instincts that he has within himself. So, look at Romans 7.14. But we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. So, the law is spiritual. Where did the law come from?
1: God.
0: God, right? That's, that's pretty spiritual. Spiritual as you can get, right? Um, God it was Holy Spirit given. Paul isn't criticizing the law here. He's explaining his own nature can't follow it. I am of flesh. The law is spiritual from God. It's perfect. I am of the flesh, sold into bondage to sin. And so, he can't follow it in his sin nature. Right? He's not able to follow the law. Now the law is good, right? Law is good, Paul is sinful. He's of the flesh. Law good, sin bad. Right? Paul says of the flesh, he's sold in bondage to sin. But chapter six, Paul said we're freed from the bondage of sin, right? Yes. So chapter six, Paul was describing how we've died to sin's power, right? We've died to sin. We no longer have to follow sin. But does it doesn't mean that sin doesn't still have a pull on us. Does it doesn't mean that we don't have this like desire to sin. So we don't have the flesh. We still have the flesh within us, the desire to sin, until we're glorified and our flesh is taken away. No longer have the flesh, then we will have this home form. When we die or the rapture happens, we'll be perfect and no longer have that desire to sin. So he says, um, I am the flesh, so I bondage to sin. He's not necessarily having to, but he says earlier in, later in 6, that whoever you serve is who your master is, who you're, you're in bondage to. And so it's like, I keep on sinning. I'm sold in the bondage to sin. What we see is, still so it's righteousness, sorry. But um, we see signification process, right? So when we, when we believe, we are justified, right? We're declared righteous. Uh, our, our position, our standing before God is righteous. Right? He sees us as righteous. We're given eternal life. And we're free from the penalty of sin. Right? I was placed on Christ, we're free from that. We're justified if we're righteous. That begins our Christian life and our eternal life. Then we're in this middle part right here, sanctification. But eventually we know we're going to be made righteous. We'll be raptured, we'll be with God, we'll die, whatever it is. We're made righteous. Our state will equal our state and we'll actually be righteous experientially. A glorified body we're free from the presence of sin. But right now, we're in sanctification. We're being made right. If we're following. If we're following Christ, we're going through temptations, we're going through struggles and trials, and being made more like Christ because of them. Our state currently, right? If our position is declared righteous, but day to day, are we righteous? Are we living righteously? Mm-hmm. No. Right? We're not actually living out the righteousness every single day. God sees us as right. Our standing before Him is perfectly righteous. We've been washed by Christ's blood. But day to day, our current state that we're in in the flesh is we're sinning. Then we're given the Holy Spirit, right? This starts at salvation. The Holy Spirit um, to to follow in the Holy Spirit, to walk in the Spirit to not carry out those sins. And we're free from the power of sin. we was talking about in chapter six, chapter seven. We're free from the power of sin. No we longer we have to follow our sin nature, but it still has a pull on us. But it's not really authoritative over us. What well, is this? This chart makes sense. Pretty fundamental for us to kind of understand this at least at a base value as we go into this rest of this um, Christian life. So any questions on that? This comes from a conglomeration of different verses that we put together, a passage obviously. Um, Hopefully you've even seen this just through Romans that we've been going through. Um, Someday I want to make a card that has this on one side, and then verses that go along with it on the back, right, To kind of just relate to each one of these points and stuff. That takes time. And so, yeah. Honestly. But, so he says, the law is good and it is spiritual, but Paul says he's sold into bondage to sin. Right? He's following, he's still struggling here with sin. Romans seven fifteen says, "But what I am doing, I do not understand. If I'm not the one practicing what I would like to do, I am doing the very thing I hate. So Paul is frustrated at this point. He's confused. He's doing the thing he doesn't want to do. The thing he hates, he finds himself doing. This is going back to the sin he's focused on not doing. The law said, do not covet. And Paul agrees, yes, I should not covet. He hates the sin of coveting. One of the neighbor has. You know, it just breeds bitterness in his heart. So he hates it. But then he finds himself doing it. I'm so coveting. And seeing what the neighbor has, i like, I don't want that. And so he says, um, what I'd like to do, I'm not doing, I do the very thing I hate, verse 16, but if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing the law is good. So Paul says, I don't want to covet. And he does it, but he knows I don't want to do it. When he's agreeing the law, saying do not covet is a good thing. So by him saying he doesn't want to do the bad thing, he's agreeing with the law. He says, I don't want it to do something bad or sinful because the law is this is bad. I don't want to covet. Therefore, I agree that sinning is bad. The covenant is bad. Just like the law says. So he's saying the law is good. Right? But he's still doing things against the law. He's like, yeah, I agree. The law is perfect and good. I want to be like the law. And then he does against the law. But he's still agreeing that, oh, that what I did was bad because the law says it's bad. And I agree with the law. Does that make sense? We've seen in the... Flow here, and how can you say something is bad and still do it? It's like saying, Oh, I hate when people are rude, I just hate when people are rude, and then you're having a bad day and you're rude to someone. Someone comes comes up to you and says, Do you really hate it because you just did it? So you can't actually hate it if you just were rude to someone, but you do, right? You hate when people are rude. And you hate it when you are rude. So you as a person, you hate when people are rude. Even if it's you doing it, you hate it. Therefore, if you hate it, then are you actually the one doing it? Like, I hate that thing, to do that thing. You're like, but I hate that thing. Why did I do that thing if I hate that thing? Right? It didn't change how much you hate it whenever you did it. You still don't like the sin. What does Paul say about this? It says, so now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. So Paul himself isn't the one sinning. His flesh is sinning. The sin himself is sinning. Paul's desire is against what he does. He says, I don't want to sin. I'm sinning. What well, I don't want to sin. I I, agree. I do not want to do it. So it must not be me because I don't want to do it. Paul's desire is against what he does. He desires one thing, does another. Then the part of him desiring not to sin isn't the part of him sinning. So he's a part of him that says, I don't want to sin. And then he sins. He's like, well, I don't want to, so it must not be me that's sinning. He's going to back up this table with more explanation here in a second. But first, I want to go through this logic flow that's happened so far. So there's a loss from God, but Paul is sinful. Paul sins, but he doesn't want to. So it must not be him sinning with the flesh. That's to be some part of him that just isn't the part that's sinning. It's the flesh that's sinning. Does that make sense? Any questions? I know it's like logically, but it's all logic. So, any questions on that?
1: Okay.
0: So, after we do this next part, we're going to have another way to look at it for you visual learners in right here. Now that will hopefully hope help you out. So he says, okay, I know, I know in verse 18 that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. And most of us are like, <laughs> amen, brother. Right? Like, if within me, if it's decided upon me, I'm not going to be doing well. Right? I'm not going to be doing good. And so the willingness present in me, but the doing of the good is not. I want to do good, but I'm not actually doing good. The good that I want, I do not do, but I practice very evil that I don't want to do. But if I'm doing the thing I don't want to do, I'm no longer the one doing it. The sin dwells in me. So the Apostle Paul says, Nothing good dwells in him, nothing good dwells in his flesh. But well, he's willing, right? He wants to do good, but the actual doing of the good doesn't come from Paul. Um. He isn't coming, but he's actually doing the good. His spirit is willing, but his flesh is not able to. Jesus talks about the same issue. Right? Jesus says, he's in the garden of Gethsemane, and he asks his apostles to pray but he goes and prays alone. His disciples keep falling asleep. And so he comes back, this is what he says. He says, keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? So keep watching and praying to come to the temptation. The spirit, you want to stay awake and pray, because God in the flesh asked you to. But the flesh is weak. The flesh is unable to. So Paul says "Right, I want to do the good but I'm not doing it. The will is present but the doing of the good is not. You may want to in your spirit but your flesh is weak and you'd rather choose temptation. In anyone in here relate to Paul. Right. Truth is we all can. I asked this on Tuesday night a few weeks back. Who in here wants to stop sinning? Okay. Who in here wants to sin? All <laughs> right, There's times when I'm like, yeah, I, I really do want to sin. So we want to do both. But we really actually, to the root of it, we don't want to sin. We feel a pull to sin. But we would never say like, oh, I just love to sin. I just want to always sin. We have a desire to do good. We know we've done wrong. We feel shame we've done wrong. If we to choose between going on sinning or never sinning again, we would choose never sinning again. It's not going to say, wow, well, I really do love sinning a lot more than I love not sinning. Right? No, we'd be like, no, I'm choosing never sinning again. We choose the non sin choice. And so at the root of it, that means we really don't want to sin. But also, not only is Paul doing things he doesn't want to do, but he has good things he wants to do that he's not doing. So he's doing evil things he doesn't want to do. He's also not doing the good things he wants to do. I would rather do this, be loving, be patient, be kind. But instead, what I'm doing is being hateful and rude and prideful. Instead of doing the good, he sins. He says that I'm not the one, if I don't want to do it, then it's not really me It's a sin within me. It's not really me and my core that's sinning, It's it's a sin within me. So he finds this principle, right, in verse 21. Now this is a summation statement How this is, is conclusion. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. Just I want to do good, but there's evil within me, there's a battle within me. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law of members in my body waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. So I want to do good, but there's evil within me. That's Paul's lament. This is my inner man. my At the core, I agree with the law and I want to do good. But my body wages war against that and makes me a prisoner of sin again. Puts me under the authority of sin again. So that's his conclusion. I want to do good. Another part of me wants to do evil. They war against each other. This is true for all of us. There's a part of us, it's the truth, that does not sin. Part of us doesn't, it's been purified and washed clean by Christ's blood, does not sin. There's a part of us that does sin. So when we're born as an unbeliever, we have a body, a soul, the flesh, and a human spirit that's it's dead, right? So I just put it in there, but it's like not made alive yet. Our body, just a physical body. Right. We have a soul that relates to the world around us. We relate to other people. We're different than animals, right? We have a soul that we're created. We're made in the image of God. Even unbelievers, right? We're like People in different ways than we can to animals. Right? I can't like existentially relate to my dog, right? much as I can even to Madeline which is a little older. Right? Well, even now though, she has some looks I'm like, she understands. She knows the pain of life. Right? Um, no. But we're made in the image of God. We relate to people different than animals. And then we have the flesh. Right? We have this, are bound to sin. This bondage to sin. We're bound to sin. We have what's called the spirit. I put it in the human spirit the differentiate between the spirit that we have and the Holy Spirit. Right? Uh, but I just call it human spirit to differentiate. But that's what relates to God. Before we were made spiritually alive or we spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, verse 1 says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. you were made alive together with God, it goes on to so you were dead in trespasses and sins. We were spiritually dead before we were made alive with Christ. So we are not able to talk go to God. There's a verse um, that says that the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit, right? They can't understand because they're spiritually appraised and he's just not able to even understand them. And so we have the human spirit, but it's, it's dead, blown, so to speak, right? Then when we're saved, we have the body, soul, the flesh still. So the human spirit made spiritually alive and we're given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the power we have to live by. We rely on Him and walk in the Holy Spirit to be pleasing to God, to actually live out the good that we want to do. That's what we have to do. So the human spirit, too, is now alive. This is the part Paul is talking about. Right? The human spirit is a part of us that is justified, made spiritually alive, and it's cleansed by Christ's blood. It's spiritually alive. Right? It's, it's, it's pure, right? It's justified, declared righteous. God sees us as righteous because He sees our human spirit as perfectly righteous. That part doesn't sin. What sins is the flesh. The flesh pulls on us and makes us sin still. We don't want to, right? The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. That's why there's a battle, right? There's a battle going on between the human spirit and the flesh constantly. We want to do good. We find ourselves sinning. We know that one day we won't have the flesh. We're going to be glorified. And a glorified believer has the body, still a glorified body, perfect body. We have a soul, and we have our perfect human spirit. I don't think we're going to need the Holy Spirit anymore, because the Holy Spirit helps us live our Christian life, we're not going to need that help anymore. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think we're going to be perfect. We won't need that help to the Christian life. And so we'll have the body, soul, and spirit. There's a verse that says, uh, I think, Thessalonians somewhere, um, that says, uh, hope you're preserved, your body, soul, and spirit is fully preserved to the day of eternity. Um, five. I think it's Thessalonians five. 5. Thessalonians 5. Chapter 1, chapter 2? I don't know. You just said Thessalonians, but chapter or chapter per- Thessalonians, not chapter 1. 1 uh, yeah. Thessalonians 5, right? So your body, soul, and spirit, right? All three of those things are what's mentioned in the Bible. So body, soul, and spirit. Um. So that's what we glorify. That's our hope that we look forward to, right? We as believers, we've been made spiritually alive. We given the Holy Spirit and we have this battle going on between our spirit and our flesh. But one day we know we're going to be glorified. We'll be with God never to sin again. Does that make sense? Any questions on this?
1: Down,
0: so when it gets to it talks about how there's a part of us that never sins, I'm not the one sinning. He says, In my spirit, I don't sin, right? I am perfect, I'm justified by Christ, declared righteous. But my flesh is the one that's still sinning. Right? My flesh is still the one I'm sinning. Before we believe, the whole the human spirit was dead, right? So we're just the flesh, right? Wants to do something, well, we did it. If we didn't do it without a fear of some, some consequence, it be thought about, it, right? Christ says. Okay, it may not have someone, but if you hate someone, well, then you basically murder them with your heart. And so we have, as our human spirit, we all only follow the flesh, right? But then as a believer, we have the battle between the human spirit and the flesh, right? We're perfect, our desire to serve God, and then our desire to sin in the flesh that we have. So right now we're stuck. So we have this hope of the glorified believer being glorified, but we're still stuck. For a little while longer, we're here on earth, we have to deal with this battle within us. We want to do good, but we keep doing bad. So he says in verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death, of this death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself in my mind am serving the law of God. On the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. He says, Wretched man that I am. I keep on sinning over and over and over, even though I don't want to. I keep on sinning. I don't want to, I hate sin, but I keep on doing it. Who will set me free from this battle back and forth with my spirit and my flesh and keep going back to sin? Of sin and of righteousness. It says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because we have freedom of Christ. And actually what happens here is Paul is just going through his argument, his, his like logical kind of going through the, the flow, but then he can't help himself but give thanks to Christ. Right in the middle of this. Well kinda seems out of the blue. Which man in the name, who will set me free? Thanks to God to Christ's Lord. So then, on the one hand, it goes right back to like to summarize what he's been talking about. Because we have freedom in Christ. Christ sets us free from this body of death. We don't have to keep sinning in the flesh. We don't have to. There's a twofold deliverance from Christ. One, we can rely on Christ, we can choose righteousness. If we abide in Christ, we walk in the Spirit, if we can choose righteousness now. We don't have to be in this body of sin that we're living in. Secondly, one day we'll only be completely free from sin and from death. One day we'll no longer have to sin at all. And both of those come from Christ, right? Our deliverance that we have in Christ. What we see is chapter 8 is deliverance. Chapter 8, verse 1 through 18 is a Christian life deliverance, right? Abiding in the Holy Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit, those things. And then the last half of it is eternal deliverance, right? What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing, the height nor depth nor angels nor, all the things. right? <laughs> nothing. Even if we're being slaughtered every day, nothing separates us from our love that we have in Christ. Never, never separate us. So, chapter eight is deliverance, but Paul couldn't wait until chapter eight. So, in the middle of it, it says thanks be to God, right out of nowhere for the deliverance. Before summing up this statement, so next week we're going to see what that looks like in Christian life, in like the internal life. So Paul is serving God with his mind, right? He's, I want to do good, but in his flesh, and his body, he's serving sin. There's a conflicting desire within himself. Because his righteousness that he's been given to live out in the Christian life from God, he's not living out. He wants to walk in God's righteousness, but instead he sees this other pull that he has in his flesh. So we see that each Christian deals with this issue of trying to follow rules. We try to do good. But then we see ourselves doing bad. And we don't understand. Because we don't want to sin, but we keep finding ourselves doing it. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And a part of us that doesn't sin, and a part of us that does sin. Our core self, at our core, if we had to choose between sinning and no longer sinning, we would choose no longer sinning. We don't want to sin. There's a part of us that does sin, it still wants to sin. Our core self is sinless, washed with the blood of Christ, but our flesh still sins. That's why chapter 8, the whole thing, number 7, about like, I'm not the one sinning, my flesh, or my sin is the one sinning. Chapter 8 starts with, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, Jesus. Because we're not the one sinning, right? We are purified in our through the Spirit. The flesh is the one sinning. You can rejoice in that. So here's some application. First of all, recognize there's a battle with you you don't want to send, your flesh wants to send, so be watchful and in prayer. Because there is a battle. If we just say, ah, whatever, and just go through life, we're going to be apathetic or we're just going to choose what our flesh wants us to do. But if you know that there's a battle that's being waged inside of you, then you're going to recognize, hey, this is not good. There's a desire for my flesh to say, I don't want to fall into, it. Don't want to fall into it. So be watchful and be in prayer. Second, turn to Christ as your deliverer. Keep your mind on the things of the spirit, right? the things of God. Focus on them. Walk in the spirit, and then give thanks to God for His deliverance. And he will deliver us eventually one day, and He does deliver us now, even if we're fighting in Him and we're walking in the spirit. So turn to Christ as a deliverer. And third, don't trust your instincts, hmm. emotions. Right? I mean, if you're like walking down a dark Alley in Stillwater, there's like two of them in the middle of the night, and there's like this sketch person at the end who's like, hey, like maybe trust them then, right? Uh, <laughs> but not in every scenario, right? Your instincts, your emotions are going to be against you. It's your flesh. It's going to say, you should do this, you should do this, you should want to do this. Instead, they're going do the same, right? Instead, walk in the spirit. Right. Instead, trust the spirit. Right? What does the Bible say about this? Will this glorify God? Take a second to think before you just. Follow every your in instance, say to do. For discussion, any questions on any of this or comments on any of this?
1: Um, I was curious about. Okay. It said, um, like, his mind isn't sitting, but, mm-hmm. like, his. So it's like, his mind, is that, like, that, like, your human spirit
0: that, like, encompass your mind. Yeah, what, oh, sorry, what verse is this? It's the very last one, right? Uh, 23 and 24.
1: And? No, no, 24, 25. three,
0: twenty five. 25, it skips up. He it, interrupts itself. Um. So, it's like, yeah, so basically it is mind, right? I'm just going to read real quick. Uh, noose right which is uh, the faculty of an in- intellectual perception um, or mind right. <laughs> intellectual, right. understanding right with my mind'm right, yeah. um, the way of thinking all things so I think we're talking about this inner man right at the very very core of himself is at the very core of my mind I know that my sitting is wrong right? even if you're thinking wrong things you know that those things are wrong right? so at the very core his mind says the law is good. It says don't covet. I'm coveting. Or the law says, you know, don't hate someone. Or don't murder. Don't hate. Right? Christ says, I'm hating someone. Or don't lust. I'm lusting. Right? All those things. Your mind still knows it's wrong in its core. Right? So that's what he's talking about. That my core, my mind's like that's wrong. Right? Or I should be doing good, but I'm not. But then his own flesh, what he's seeing actually happen in his flesh is that he's doing the wrong things. So that's what he's talking about. There. So, makes sense. They don't keep asking questions.
1: I guess I was looking for a definite verse or part here that said, I mean, it makes sense. I was looking for a definite part that said, it's our spirit that doesn't do sin now, but my flesh that does sin.
0: Yeah. I basically just say he's equating, I think, his mind as like like my innermost man, right? Because really, our human spirit is who we are, right? Uh, it's not like the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit here. So I, I used to get confused. I was like, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit does good. But like, I mean, the Holy Spirit is literally God. He is within me, and I can walk in the Spirit, walk alongside Him, walk in the body of Christ. But uh, it's really my human spirit. My innermost self, which is um, doing the, the or is this good, right? Um, and so he's kind of equating, I think, that the, the mind, my innermost person, my mind with the human spirit. Right? That's really who he is. I don't identify as my flesh. Right? If I did that, I my life just would suck, right? Like my mind would just be like I'm constantly condemning me. But if I identify as like, I am a purified child of God. I've been declared righteous. God sees me as righteous. That's who I actually am as my eternal identity. Well then that's what you say, that's my mind. That's who I actually am at so. Any other questions or problems? So the best way that I can understand it, I'm not sure I actually do all the way. <laughs> The only reason, honestly, that I'm like that they are a different thing is that it says that you be preserved. um, If Tyler can find it, 1 Corinthians five, you be preserved in your body, soul, and spirit. The Bible says it's three different things: your soul and your spirit. Uh, The soul is what makes us we're the image of God. We can relate to the world around us. Right? Animals don't have a soul in that way. Right? It's eternal um, either way. But you can have your soul and never believe in your life and your human spirit is dead, and going to spirit alive, and your soul goes to the lake of fire, for all eternity. So we're gonna see like three weeks here, in maybe three weeks, I don't know how slowly it is going, uh, in Revelation, but the lake of fire, separate yeah. from God. To, um, for all eternity. And that is our soul, right? It relates to people around us, it relates to just the world around us as well, differently than like, anything else will relate to the world, like uh, animals will relate to the world, differently than we do, because we're waiting in the God. The human spirit is spiritually dead, right? We can't relate to God at all until the human spirit is spiritually alive, right? We know that we've sinned, right? Romans 1 says, we know that we've sinned, we know that we deserve punishment, but we don't understand spiritual things until we're made spiritually alive, until we say, I place my faith in Christ, I have eternal life, I'm made spiritually alive. And then we're human spirit, is made spiritually alive, we can relate to God more, we have a spiritual gifts and all those things come from the human spirit. Does that make sense? So the soul uh, soul relates to like world and people the spirits that we have what, uh, human relates to God. And the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit because they're like praise in the flesh. Doesn't understand spiritual things, spiritual aspects. First yeah,
1: Thessalonians five twenty three. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete, without blame at the
0: coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, spirit, soul, and body—three okay, things that are to that is coming, blameless. I don't ever have any other questions ever, and you're just so incredibly shy, you don't want to have your voice be heard. And then you can pull it through that shy, you can just text me or message me, or whatever, <laughs> but you know whatever. Um, but or you just come and ask me afterwards a of time. How are you, how we have any other stuff? So what we're gonna do is go to discussion questions for the last ten minutes or so. So um, we'll put up, guys and gals. So first, how do you relate to Paul in this passage? Have you found it hard to combat legalism in your life? And then, what can you apply in your life through this passage? Like, what things from this passage are you going to apply in your life? So, I'll pray and then we'll split up into guys who are out there. God's saying, Lord, uh, thank you so much for your passage. This passage we have in Romans and um, Paul, and that. we can relate so incredibly much to what he has to say. That he is an apostle, he has such a huge impact on the church and on your uh, your believers. we learn learned so much from him and how we live a Christian life. Uh, and that includes living the life um, that we have in sin, where we try to do good, but we're doing bad. And so I pray that you would help us to respond to our sin properly, that we would come to you, confess our sins, be back in fellowship with you, um, and that we would walk in the Spirit then afterwards. But we thank you so much for your deliverance that you have for us, that we'll be delivered um, in our Christian walk if we rely on your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and that we uh, abide in Him. Uh, and it will be delivered eventually, no matter what. we will be glorified, and we'll have our uh, bodies, soul, and spirit preserved for all eternity, blameless before you, and we'll just be um, perfect and free from the presence of sin. Uh, we thank you. We love you for all that's in Jesus' name.